You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hey, music, just like movies and much like all a lot subjective. of things in life, it's all subjective. Everyone's allowed an opinion, yeah. even if it's wrong. Yeah. Oh, he's mm-hmm. left his mic on. For yeah. He's calling a rash. That's okay. It's fine. Just leave it. Yeah, just leave the mic Life's on. good. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Pike, Flames analyst, uh, co-host of Flames Talk, going to join us at the bottom of the hour. Arena Talk. He wrote a piece on a new arena. Give me that hot rink talk, yeah, boy. Give me that hot rink talk. And uh, right now, still taking your text messages, uh, your chance to qualify for a $500 gift card to Charm Diamond Centers. Aaron Rodgers will spend four days and four nights at a retreat with no light and complete darkness. What would be the best and worst part if you had to spend it with your partner? Uh, we'll re- text Dean McTexterson. We'll read your text messages, and we'll pick out a qualifier for the $500 gift card uh, to Charm Diamond Centers. But right now, joining us from the site of Super Bowl 57 in Arizona, Sportsnet's Arash Madani. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well, George. Is there, is there a more insufferable human on earth than Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> um, Prince William? Yeah, Kirk Cousins. Yeah. <laughs> like, how sad will you be if Aaron Rodgers gets traded out of that division? Arash, because you're a diehard Vikings fan. By the way, I love the hire, too, of Brian Flores. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. Probably the best defensive coordinator the Vikes have had since uh, since Mike Tomlin. But um, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of want Rodgers around the division at this point. Like, mm. there was nothing... No, there was nothing sweeter than watching that season finale against Detroit and <laughs> watching him heave up one interception after another. I mean, let's... Let's keep this loser around. <laughs> Arash, you're trying to tell me you don't have the picture of Kirk Cousins wearing everybody's chain as your phone background right now? No, I do not. No, I do not. <laughs> Let, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins has one playoff win, career playoff win on his resume. Yeah. It's more than a lot of other guys do, I guess. There's that. Yeah, but not a lot of other guys have like $280 million in Career earnings. Um, also, uh, I think it, I Good know morning, that. Morning, by the way, isn't this a pleasant way to get our day started? Yeah, um, <laughs> but but real but real quick here, Rash. Though um, I think it's unfair that a guy like Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup last season, these guys put up these historic seasons when all yeah. the the other teams, the defensive coordinators, everything is geared towards stopping those guys, and yet they can't, and they still rack up all these numbers, and those guys don't have a chance to win the MVP because it's a quarterback award now. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of the nature of the beast. I mean, if if Aaron Donald wasn't going to get MVP after last season, then I don't know how mm-hmm. a non-quarterback is going to get that award. You know, there there's an argument to be made that Chris Jones for Kansas City is the NFL MVP, but of course it's his teammate who's going to get it. And, you know, without Patrick Mahomes, Casey's not here, and Casey doesn't have a first-round buy, and on and on it goes. But, yeah, they may as well call it the best quarterback award, but, you know, say la vie. Say la vie. It's been interesting watching all the media avails as we've gone through uh, preparation for this game. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued just to your thoughts on how Nick Sirianni's kind of going about his business. Second year's uh, head coach of the Eagles, and now he's in the Super Bowl and trying to beat his former team of the Chiefs. Yeah, and... I, what I find so interesting is that Sirianni comes in just after 
Doug Peterson kind of made the decision to go with Jalen Hurts as quarterback. And the evolution of Jalen Hurts in such a short period of time to me is just absolutely wild. Like, it's so crazy to think back. There were, the Eagles were getting ripped for drafting Hurts because the narrative was, why are you doing this when you have MVP candidate Carson Wentz in the building? Mm-hmm. Look what's happened to Carson Wentz since, out of Philadelphia, out of Indianapolis, wore out his welcome in Washington. And now Jalen Hurts runs the RPO better than anybody in the league, Mahomes included, has completely won over that locker room. And it's interesting just talking to guys. I was talking to Devontae Smith yesterday, and he said the the biggest thing with Hertz is he's gotten to know everyone in the locker room, so he knows how to communicate with guys in the locker room. Mm-hmm. He said he can come up to A.J. Brown or I and rip our ass if we, you know, if we mess up a route in practice or if we do something wrong, but then he knows how to talk to somebody else who's not going to take criticism well. And... Dallas Goddard was saying, you know, the whole cliche of first guy in the building, last guy to leave, that's Jalen. Lane Johnson was saying it's not just what happens in games. He's like, that's three hours of the week. It's how he goes about it in the locker room. It's how he handles himself in the huddle and in meetings and all of those things. And under Nick Sirianni, he's allowed Jalen to be Jalen and Jalen being his own dude has gone from all the draft experts saying that he was missing open receivers and couldn't make the throws and his arm angle was wrong and his, you know, his shoulder positioning was faulty. Jalen Hurts has gone and become the best quarterback in the NFC and wire to wire has leads the Eagles team. That's been the best team in the, in the conference this year. Uh, obviously, uh, the, the big, the biggest story to me, Arash, is, yeah, he, he did miss some throws in that game against the Niners, but they blew him out anyway. Uh, I'm sure he has to make those throws here, and clearly the shoulder potentially is still an issue. Is that the key for the Chiefs here, to stop the run and make essentially Jalen Hurts beat them with his arm, which probably isn't healthy right now? Yeah, and it isn't. It isn't. Let's remember that. He gets hurt. He missed a couple of games. And it's funny, just on a quick little aside, I was reading an article this week, Jonathan Jennings, a former PC Lions quarterback, saying he got, you know, viciously hit and his elbow and shoulder just weren't the same and the zip on the ball wasn't the same. Two weeks isn't going to fix a shoulder. And, you know, quarterbacks will tell you, I remember when Bo was in Calgary, he said, it's not about the zip on the ball. It's about the touch on the ball. And quarterbacking pro football is about accuracy. If you're going to try and throw outside the numbers, which is where A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith have had their success this year, and where Philadelphia will want to exploit a young Kansas City secondary, Hurts has to be able to make those throws. Now, maybe an extra couple of weeks with the bye going into the Super Bowl helps him. But yes, fundamentally, the answer to your question, George, is yes. Here's, though, where Philadelphia is dangerous. That RPO I talked about. You know, Jalen Hurts froze three San Francisco defenders, including Fred Warner, on a handoff to Kenneth Gainwell last week against San Francisco. 
they are so intent on Jalen not beating them with his legs. And I talked to Steve Spagnuolo the other day, and he said, look, option football comes down to every defender having to do their job and not trying to freelance and do too much and help their teammate. And I just don't know as a defensive player how you can stay that discipline for four quarters. Hmm. Arash, it's been a huge year for the Kelsey brothers between their podcast, which has taken off, and then just the play on field for both of them. How much has the story of the, the two brothers going head-to-head permeated through Arizona this week? Number one story of the week. Mm. Uh, her mom showed up on Monday at opening night, and she had Tupperware containers of cookies for <laughs> her sons, and each one had a label on it with their name on it, and a, you know, a heart, a heart sign, sharpie on "Love Mom," like they were going to summer camp for the day. Um, it's 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 really interesting, like just from a football standpoint first. Uh, they went to University of Cincinnati. Zach Caleros was not only the quarterback at Cincinnati at the time, but he was roommates with those two dudes. And I talked to Zach last week, and I've talked to Zach over the years about him. And the one thing that Zach said is, okay, great dudes, you know, they they should have bought shares in Chipotle, and they played a ton (laughs) of video games. Um, But he said the first time he met Travis, they were in a gym on campus and Travis was coming in on his recruiting trip and they were just shooting hoops. Um, you know, college students shooting hoops and Travis walks in, grabbed the ball street close and just jammed the basketball slam dunk and just super athletes. And Zach's like, wait, you're recruiting him to be quarterback. Oh man, I, I may have to transfer out of here. And Travis was an all-state basketball player, and he played hockey, and he played baseball, and he played basketball, and he's pretty good at football, too. And he's a matchup nightmare. Like, nobody has been able to find an answer to Travis Kelsey. Jason's been in the middle of that Philly defense, offensive line, rather, since Andy Reid was there. Andy Reid was the one who drafted him. Right. And Howie Roseman, their GM, was telling us the other day, like, I'm going to have to beg Jason to come back next season. And Howie said, I've never seen a player like him from the standpoint of the older he gets, the better he plays. Hmm. It's not that there's been a decline. It's been the opposite. When does that ever happen in pro sports? No, it, it absolutely doesn't. Uh, Rash Madani from Sportsnet, uh, live at the Super Bowl, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. When did we start putting Travis Kelsey into the conversation as one of the greatest pass catchers of all time? Because I feel like it's a slight on him that everybody just mentions tight end first. But when you look at his numbers, and we know where the ball is going, we know where the ball is going to be going on Sunday, yet as you mentioned, he's such a matchup nightmare. He runs such incredible routes. He gets open so many times, like... Where do we put them in that conversation as one of the best pass catchers of all time? Yeah, it's a good question. Here's the other part. He, yeah, route runner, elite. Hands, tremendous. Here's the thing Travis Kelsey does. Travis Kelsey can turn a three-yard option route into an 18-yard gain. Yeah. Travis Kelsey can line up and be a blocker and then find himself some space to catch a ball and convert into a first down. Travis Kelsey can line up as a wide receiver into the slot and just run a quick little out pattern and know that the ball is going to be there and he's able to move the chains. And I'm not saying that's over the course of a season, 
that was just throughout the AFC title game against Cincinnati. And yes, Kelsey is elite, and there's no answer for him in large part because it's the guy slinging the ball to him. Like I just think we almost take Patrick Mahomes for granted because he's not a beat the chess guy, because he's not a me, me, me guy, because his brother is sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Go ahead. But I don't know about you guys. Like I was talking to my dad about this. I said, dad, you know, like, it just what makes Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes is that he's a magician more than a football player. And he's able to kind of go into the phone booth for those of us old enough to know what phone booths are and not only come out on skates, but find a, you know, open field receiver. They lost Tyree kill this year and it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And when you lose that kind of speed, when you lose that stretch, the field target weapon, and are able to adapt, and then you have a big target like Kelsey who can turn a three-yard out route, an option route, a slant route into 18, 19, 20 yards, good night. We've talked a lot about the offenses. Do you see Frank Clark as being the most disruptive player on really either defense here in this game? It's Clark and Chris Jones. Yeah. And they're, they're the identity of this. Like, Chris Jones's arms are so long. Like, you're talking about a guy who's 320 pounds and explodes off the ball. Like, if this is a tight game late, if, and truthfully, guys, I have no idea how this plays out. Um, you didn't see the script earlier this week, Rush? Didn't see 37, the 34 Eagles. Arian Foster didn't but, send that over? All right. He didn't. He didn't. Maybe maybe I should go on an ayahuasca trip and spend four days in the dark and I'll get the script. Um, what I do like, by the way, speaking of Frank Clark and Chris Jones, yeah. I was on my Batano app the other day and I saw, hmm, over five and a half sacks. I like that. Okay. I mean, these are the these are two teams, the Eagles with 70 sacks this year, Kansas City's number two at 55. Um, I like that number. Uh, I like that number because I think Jones and Clark can disrupt. I think you're going to see a lot of RPO and anything that's stopped behind the line of scrimmage with the ball, you know, the quarterback holding the ball, even if it's a run play, counts as a sack. Like Jones is 320 pounds and he shoots out of a cannon and he's stronger than an ox. There's, there's, there is no pass protection for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's, I guess that's the answer to that question. And that's the lean I have so far, um, in the prop market. Yeah, I also think it's peculiar that the number hasn't moved, right? It's been Eagles one and a half for a while. And a lot of people thinking the Eagles depth is going to see them through this game and, and they'll win it. But I think it's fascinating that that number hasn't really moved all week or in the last couple weeks here, Rash because I think we might see some Kansas City money coming late here for some really sharp betters, but of course, uh, that remains to be seen. I wanted to ask you before I let you go, uh, Bo Bichette, uh, your colleague at Sportsnet, Ben Nicholson-Smith, had it last night. Uh, Blue Jays giving him a three-year contract to avoid his arbitration years, and it's something I talked about before he jumped on. 
How much more difficult is this for Mark Shapiro, Ross Atkins, to get these deals done with Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. because those guys come from baseball families, players who played in the league and know the business inside and out? Yeah, it is more difficult, but I will tell you this. That's a huge deal and a huge headache relieved over the next three years with Bo. Bo is not going to take a hometown discount. The day... The day Fernando Tatis Jr. signed his 300 and whatever million dollar deal with, with the Padres, Bo was asked about it, and the first thing he said was, well, he's probably underpaid. <laughs> so the fact that this gets done for next year and the following offseason, too, means that headache's out of the way, and you know, next, next stop free agency. So you won't have to go through this process for the next two years, I think that's just that's just vital that there can be harmony. And as much as people say, yeah, that's just you know part of the business, whatever. Arbitration can turn ugly. Arbitration can become personal, and sometimes it's hard to look the people who just mf'd you yeah. um, in the eye afterwards. That was all avoided with this deal, which is significant. Arash Madani, a Sportsnet reporter down at the Super Bowl. Arash, thanks for this. Enjoy the game, pal, and best of luck on your sack bet. <laughs> thanks, guys. All right, there he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline uh, using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Um, we've been opening up the text line at 969. It's actually always open. 960-960, name and location. Uh, the question to you to qualify for a $500 gift card to Charm Diamond Centers is Aaron Rodgers will spend four days and four nights at a retreat with no light, pitch black darkness. What would be the best part and the worst part if he had to spend it with your partner? On Sportsnet 960, the fan text rooting robot, Texty McTexterson joins us to help us give away uh, to qualify for the $500 gift card. We'll have the draw on Friday. Uh, Patrick, what does Texty have in store for us here? Well, uh, I've got I've found six right now that a lot a lot of people are doing the same stuff. If I, I'm sure you guys have taken a, a look through here, and uh, a lot of it's the same. Okay, uh, so uh, I've tried to weed out the six that are a little different than the than the the, the run of the mill answers right. we've been getting. All right, let's do it. Let's hit it. Matt from Copperfield. The best part: not having to listen to my kids. Worst part: being alone with my wife. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be a, a lot of that. That's okay. Um, four days, pitch black, Matty. Just Richard you. in Woodstock. <laughs> Worst would be trying to hit the bullseye during a dookie. <laughs> Best would be trying to hit the bullseye during looking. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. The nookie. All right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Fred Durst liked that one from mm. Biscuit. Um,. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's that's an interesting one. You're right. Um, I don't know why it would be so hard to do the first part of that. Just I, sit down and just get your business done. Do it. All right. What it's, else you got, Texty? It's not like it's Sean in Chestermere. The best part would be the intellectual conversation, and the worst part would be getting umbrella Ella 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 stuck in your head on day two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
You think? Yeah. Uh, just real, uh, just real quick aside here, Maddie. Would this be good for your relationship or bad with for your specific relationship? Uh, my specific relationship, this would be bad. Yeah? Yeah. Haley already has way too much of me. She needs space. Yeah, she does, I think. Like, listen, I'm just a, uh, I'm a bundle of fun to be around. Yeah. But um, sometimes she disagrees with that. So. Okay. Uh, what else we got, Texty? I don't blame her, actually. Patrick from Okotoks. Best part, I'd play hide and seek all weekend. Worst yeah. part would be if she found me. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty yeah, good. That, that would be too bad. That sounds that super be, fun, yeah, too, in the womp, dark. Womp, that would be sad. All right. There's no furniture. You're found. running into things. Yeah, yeah. like I'm, I'm intrigued to see the interior of this cabin. Like, is there furniture apart from a bed? Is I'm, it just? Sure a, it's he, he says it's a small house. I'm sure it's really nice. What do you say? Yeah, I bet it's great. Yeah, I'm sure it's really nice, nicer than we've ever been in. I don't know about. Although the hospital that. for home lottery was really sweet, that was pretty good place. Really, yeah, nice. that was a really sweet place. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was right. surprised they let us go back. Yeah, uh, keep going, Patrick. What do we got from Texty? Nina in West Springs. The best thing about being stuck in the dark with my husband would be that he couldn't see the number of times a day that I roll my eyes at him. <laughs> the worst would be that I couldn't see his expression for everything I made fun of his beloved Oilers. Yeah. Ooh, okay. I don't know. Ooh, I like that one. A lot of like eye rolls. seek one. <laughs> How many more, Patrick? Yeah, one. Okay. Okay. Kevin okay. in Killarney. Best part would be that I couldn't see my spouse. Worst would be her wanting to talk. Yeah. Sounds like a real happy marriage. We're, hear we're hearing a lot of that. Yeah. That actually having to talk to your partner for four <laughs> days in the pitch black. And that's be... why, like, Roger's doing the isolation thing. It's just him. Yeah. 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 I'm... Don't need anybody. He says he's got had friends that have done this. They've experienced weird hallucinations more than the Hawaii ayahuasca. So we'll see. Uh, what, uh, which one did you like there? I kind of like the hide-and-seek one. I like the hide-and-seek one. I, I don't love the ones that are disparaging your better half so you're, aggressively. You're using this gift card for her, them, right? Yeah. yeah. Smooth out the relationship. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like guess. the hide-and-seek one. I'm, I'm in for the hide-and-seek All right. One. Who is it? That's Play Patrick that in Okotoks. Patrick from Okotoks. Best part. I'd play hide-and-seek all weekend. Yep. Worst part would be if she found me. Yeah. I like that one. All right, congratulations, Patrick. Round you of qualified, uh, Alex. Round of applause. The hot key does not work. Oh, oh my! Go. <laughs> you know we worried about this. This was the one of the worries with this transition oh that none of these why would work. There, why is everything so hard here? Hey, <laughs> eh? you move across the country to do a show. <laughs> you get ripped because you call it wing dip instead of buffalo wing dip, which was dumb. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. so dumb because I'm from the area where the chicken wing was invented, but whatever. What do I know? I don't know if the chicken Number wing was two, invented there, but... In Buffalo, it was. Chi chickens have had wings forever, so okay, whatever. Chicken wings were invented in Buffalo. Well, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Stop it. And then you just, you just want a simple applause for a contest winner, and I can't get it. Provasic. <laughs> That, that one works. works. I guess that one works. <laughs> Just play another random hockey. See if it works. Let's see here. Just a play. dumpy muni. Okay. What else we got? Keep all right, so coming. I think my page works here, like with all my. What's Jim your page? Jimmy's? Jim it's a lot of you. <laughs> okay. Um, but my other morning show page isn't working. All right. 
Congratulate Patrick from Okotoks. Yes. Is that a one? Yes. All right. You qualified for a $500 gift card to Charm Diamond Centers. Just like smooth as chunky peanut butter on this show sometimes. <laughs> you just ask for the simplest things. <sighs> All right. Uh, Ryan Pike. <laughs> Close to Flames Talk. Hey, straight ahead. Here's the good news. New arena. Show's almost over. That's a big plus. Um, I need I need a little break after today. I need a vacation. Probably. Okay. I need some time off after Yeah, how today. many days do you need? Probably two or three. Yeah, two days? Yeah, probably yeah. three. Three. Um, all right. Uh straight ahead, uh Ryan Pike. You hear him on Flames Talk, Flames Analyst. Wrote a good piece yesterday on the new arena, and he gave us an update, and it is good news. Again, we're Cautiously optimistic. Just like I'm cautiously optimistic that one day our hotkey page will work on the show. I'm cautiously <laughs> optimistic that that'll actually happen. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Uh, Patrick has Big Show Extra, Big Show Mucho. I hope he gets to pick the music. Big Show Bueno. Uh, Mike Morreale, yes. commissioner and co-founder of the CEBL, will join you at 905. That's interesting. The oh, yeah. surge of coming to Calgary. Season starts in late May. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The schedule is out. I'm start. excited to catch a little bit of basketball Start with summer. the Battle of Alberta. Sure, mm. why not? I know you love your hoops. Why do you do this to me? What? I do enjoy a good hoops. Okay. <laughs> I've told you. You don't have to like every sport. I it's told okay. you. I. It's not that I dislike it, George. I don't have time to watch the NBA when I'm watching hockey every night. Hmm. Why would I watch the NBA? Nobody cares fantastic. here. <laughs> Why did you say it like that? Because that used to be their slogan. NBA, it's fantastic. Like, because it's for the fans? Yeah. All right. Okay. Sure. Whatever. But Patrick's got that at 9.05. Yeah, apparently. I, I hate basketball. And I don't know if uh, if Alex is picking the songs in the 9 o'clock hour. Can but I just say, I feel like I've lost all credibility <laughs> with our listeners because of my music choices. Um, now they're dragging them. Now, can I just say this, too? Um, how much equity do you think you've actually built up with the listeners to <laughs> okay. begin with in the first place? Hey, hey, I, I'm working on it, you okay. know. People like, are people know my segment. The only the only the only person on this show who has less equity than you is me. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> Stupid Toronto George. All right. Uh, on the line right now on the Atlas Pizza and Guest Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. Ryan Pike, Flames Analyst, co-host of Flames Talk. Uh, Ryan, good morning. How are you? I'm well. How are you guys? Nah, just it's just it's been a average show. <laughs> It's been a bumpy show. Hey, can I ask you about your Super Bowl menu on Sunday? Oh, God, that's Sunday? Oh, I, honestly, the Super Bowl is so not on my radar this year for Mike, reasons that will become Ryan, clear later. Ryan, I, have, had, I just have so much going on. Ryan, we had Chef Mike on. Like, it's not on your radar. The biggest sporting event of the year is not on your radar. Hey, we had the AHL All-Star Game last week. You know what? I, hey, you know what? I appreciate that you live and breathe the flame so much. That you're like, oh yeah, the Super Bowl's on Sunday. Good for you for living in that bubble. I appreciate that. I think that's good. But Ryan, it's also good to sometimes diversify. You know, variety is the spice of life. 
my, my, my guess is I'll probably hang out with my dad and he'll make nachos. Okay, there you go. Nachos. Awesome. Um, you wrote a piece yesterday, and I guess it's optimistic. I guess it's something um, people should kind of start to get excited about. But how dangerous is that in this city saying, okay, yeah, things are trending towards a new arena, but how cynical are some people to say, hey, talk to me when there's a shovel in the ground? I mean, in one way or another, we've been doing this dance since about, I don't remember, 2000 or 2001. So, you know, when, when Ken King became Flames president in, uh, you know, early in his tenure, the, the two things that he was sort of tasked with, and really there's sort of one job just with two different prongs was, you know, figuring out the long-term stability of the franchise. Part of that was, you know, the, the ownership at the time with uh, the late Harley Hotchkiss really worked hard on, you know, getting things like the, the currency equalization program, you know, before that, you know, Canadian teams were taking in Canadian dollars and then paying every all their expenses in U.S. dollars. And you don't have to be a mathematician to know that unless the exchange rate's even, that's uh, that's a losing proposition. So uh, the, the Flames ownership is one of the groups that really spurred that to, to prop up a lot of these smaller market teams. And, you know, then we had the salary cap put in. But once those kind of things got put in, Ken King's big thing was the arena. And, you know, once the, the first 12 rows were flooded in 2013, it became a huge priority. And, you know, there's been some bumps in the road. So, you know, if, if the, the short answer to your question is, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I think there's a certain segment of the fan base that'll be sort of until we see a shovel in the ground and a giant hole in those parking lots north of the saddle home that uh, will be soon be filled with a building of some kind. Uh, I think having a bit of cautious optimism is probably prudent at this point, just for everybody's emotional and the mental health. Uh, Ryan, again, a, lo- a lot of people are skeptical. Uh, skeptical about this. <laughs> Easy for me to say. Yeah, <laughs> cut that clip, drop that one. Um, but Ryan, um, how much is the future of the Flames in this city tied to a new arena? I think I think that, uh, any possibility of their future sort of being up in the air is kind of overblown, just because the sense that you know, let's be honest, even with even with the second oldest and you know second oldest building in the league and the oldest building in the league that hasn't gone through massive MSG style renovations. I mean, MSG is technically older, but they spent about over its lifespan close to two bill replacing pretty much everything but the outer shell. So it's essentially a new building and an outer sh- in a, an old candy shell, but Outside of, you know, even with all these negative qualifiers, they're in a Canadian market. They, the exchange rate's rough. Uh, you know, the, the team's been sort of up and down. There's been a pandemic. There's been, you know, the second oldest, the second oldest building in the league in a, you know, in a building that they, their average uh, revenue per head is, you know, in the bottom third of the league because of all those factors. Even with all those things, there's still, you know, a, a middle, you know, an average revenue team in the league. And a new building will probably push them, you know, into the upper third. So, I mean, they're not, you know, granted, the Flames, their books are private, you know, so they're, we're never going to get a, a full assessment of this. But based on, you know, all the analysts that have, you know, any kind of estimates, Forbes, uh, Sportico, a few other places, the Flames are, you know, the Flames are doing fine, you know, as is. Uh, would they, you know, if you ran a business and you were merely doing fine, would you like to keep doing fine? No, you want to do better than fine. But for the time being, like, I don't think it's, you know, any kind of a, a, a shorter, medium-term danger of anything going pear-shaped on them, simply because 
this is, this is a Canadian market with such a fervent fan base and such a high revenue potential for the league that you know with the Flames who are saying yeah maybe we're thinking about doing something else you know I imagine Gary Bettman would be sort of bursting into a room like the Kool Aid Man saying whoa 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 we're not leaving a you know if, if think about all the trouble they've gone to keep a freaking team in the the Arizona area because of the potential of that area you don't need to ima- close your eyes and imagine the potential of Calgary they've seen it. And so I think that's one of the things that really makes both the, you know, the city and the league and the team really optimistic about the, the long-term future in Calgary simply because they've seen it in the past. And even with, you know, all these, you know, outside economic forces conspiring against them, they've been doing fairly well. One of the things that you did mention is that still looking at a Victoria Park location, which doesn't change, but for me, it was perhaps refreshing to see that just because, kind of settling on a location felt like a huge sticking point for years. And I'd, I'd hate for them to kind of open that up again and, and basically just add more time to this discussion. Yeah. You know, after, after the, the meeting on Monday, uh, you know, Ward one counselor, Sonia Sharp, who is the, the committee chair, you know, her, her response to a question was simply, you know, they're, they're, they're not ruling anything out, which, yeah, you shouldn't rule anything out. If someone comes to you with, you know, a pile of money and says, you know, Matt, I want to build a building and, you know, I'll only give you a bunch of free money if you build it over there, you know, in the West Village. Then you go, yeah, okay, sure. No one's going to turn down free money. You know, I'm sure everyone involved loves free money. That said, they've done the permitting process for the West Village. They've done or the East Village or the Victoria Park location. They've done the design for the Victoria Park location, all those holes in the ground in the last couple of years in and around the Stampede area, a lot of those were utility work designed to prep for construction. Heck, you know, it, 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 by the, the the Victoria Park plan was so far along that before things sort of, you know, imploded uh, last year, they were essentially, you know, the, the step was they had to approve the budget and then shovels in the ground weeks later. So, it was incredibly frustratingly, maddeningly close. And while I don't think, you know, it, it's prudent not to necessarily rule out other options, and I think that's sort of their mindset, I also think all the tea leaves, all the forces, all the time pressures, all the everything is sort of, you know, quietly steering them back to the area where it'd be easiest and fastest and cheapest to build. Yeah, another thing that was kind of in the uh, the gray area, we think we know, I believe, is the way you coined it, is that there might be some money coming in from the province as well. Can you update us on that? I'd be shocked if there's money from the province, if mm. I'm being blunt. Uh, but, you know, the, the I think the, the thing the province could do is, so uh, in the, the Rivers District right now, there's a thing that's called a community revitalization levy. And, you know, for, for those of you who are unfamiliar with it, it's a very boring monetary policy instrument that's used to help build underlying infrastructure in developing areas. So, you know, the, the city of Calgary is used to, you know, dating back to about, you know, the early 2000s in, in building out the East Village area. You know, before, you know, George, you're new here. Before the East Village used to be terrifying, to yes. his point of phrase. That's a good... Was, what what yeah. do you mean by terrifying? Yeah, it's, that's I mean, a fact. I have I have had some of the, the most terrifying beers of my life in the Cecil Hotel before they thankfully <laughs> knocked it down. Uh, it was, you know, it was not a it was not a safe place to be in daylight usually. It was even worse at night. And, you know, through the, the efforts of uh, the city of Calgary and Calgary Municipal Land Corporation, they've done a pretty good job making it livable. And not just livable, it's pretty cool. Like you have the, the, have the new library, you have the National Music Center. Uh, they have a lot of other things they're building up. There's a grocery store, for heaven's sake. We haven't had a grocery store in, the, in downtown proper 
ever, and they have one now. And so a lot of these things were, were based on them being able to use sort of the tax revenue from the, the bow tower as a way mm. of basically backstopping all this stuff. So if you're a developer in that area, they go, hey, come build here. We'll take care of the roads and the plumbing and this, that, and the other thing, and you just build your building. And right now, you know, they could do that kind of stuff in the Stampede Park area. And I think some of that funds is going towards uh, developing out the underlying stuff. But under the current rules, that the province regulates for CRLs, you can't use it to build buildings. You know, they, if they don't have the ability to offer the flames, hey, we'll chip in like 10 million bucks to take help you with some stuff. The province has the ability to potentially go, you know what? Yeah, we'll help you out. You can do, you can use some of the money. Like they did that with Edmonton. They didn't give, you know, direct money from, you know, a big pot of funds for Edmonton for Rogers Place, but they sort of relaxed some of the restrictions on spending CRL money, which really helped them sort of speed some things along and sort of, you know, smooth out some rough spots in their budget. So I think that could be a possibility. I think that might be the easiest thing for them to do because to be honest, it's not a promise of new money. It's money that's already sort of tied up in the, the area, tied up in things that the city of Calgary and CMLC are already doing. And so potentially if they say, yeah, sure, do what you need to do, that could really, you know, help give them a bit, of, a little bit of flexibility here and there. Granted, I mean, they still, you know, it's a it's, the project ultimately fell apart last time because a, you know, a six hundred million dollar building suddenly became closer to a seven or seven hundred and fifty million dollar building, and no one really knew where the extra hundred million dollars is going to come from. So, getting an extra ten, fifteen million bucks potentially from CRL money could help, but mm -hmm. there's still, even if that happens, there's still like an 80 to $130 million problem they got to solve. Ryan Pike, Flames analyst, co-host of Flames Talk, joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, George and Matt, big show, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Are we past that point where um, looking three hours north in Edmonton has any influence on in what they want to do here in Calgary? Has that ship kind of sailed that, yeah, great, Edmonton built the new rink, but it literally has nothing to do with us because if them in the midst of building a new arena didn't expedite things here, nothing will? Yeah, I think it's, to be blunt, you know, a lot of people who study arenas just hate Edmonton's deal because, you know, if you're the Oilers, the Oilers got a great deal. The Oilers' ownership only really laid out about 30 or $35 million in cash, period, and the rest of the budget was you know, city money and provincial money and rent payments that, you know, the, the, the city of Edmonton sort of upfronted for the construction costs. And then they essentially paid back themselves from the money the, the Oilers were going to make off the building. So, you know, I think straight away, I mean, if you're a taxpayer in Calgary and you're going, oh, no, we better get a better deal than Edmonton. The last deal they had was a better deal than Edmonton. You know, the, the city of Calgary was chipping in money, but they had a payback mechanism that would, you know, end up, you know, they don't. I think the present value of the money they were going to spend was only about fifty million dollars, and fifty million dollars to get a good piece of infrastructure that you know solves a, a problem they have in the downtown area. That's something. But I think you know the the Edmonton the Edmonton model is sort of a uh, you know any anyone who's curious, I, I I encourage you to check out the the work of uh, writer uh, Neil DeMouse, who uh, who's from Brooklyn, mm -hmm. I believe, and uh, he runs the website Field of Schemes, and he writes extensively about sort of you know, shenanigans regarding funding of buildings. And, you know, the, the Oilers, you know, the Oilers did a great job negotiating with the, the city of Edmonton and their former mayor, Stephen Mandel. And they essentially just pulled the, hey, we're going to move to Seattle card. And they pulled the, hey, we're going to move to Seattle card when it wasn't clear what was happening with Seattle. And so the city of Edmonton blinks and they got a great deal out of it. So good for them. But I think now, especially 
you know, I think both sides are a bit more sophisticated in, in how they're negotiating. And I think there's a little bit more of a good faith negotiations going on at this point than we're going on in Edmonton back when the Seattle card was played. And, you know, I think it's good for everybody because that way no one has that level of underlying nervousness that, you know, unless you do something, they're just going to run away to Seattle and take everything with them. Does it help or hurt that the owner is essentially non-existent here in the public eye, unlike it is in Edmonton with Daryl Cates? I think probably a little of both. Uh, you know, I, I'd say this. I mean, Murray Edwards is a guy who runs his businesses and, you know, tries to just not really get involved publicly in a lot of things. You know, he definitely has his influence. But, you know, he, you know, let's be honest, he hires people to deal with it for him. I mean, John Bean has been, you know, uh, running the show, a lot of things uh, on this front for, I'd say, probably about five or six years, pretty much since, you know, took over he was a big part of the last deal coming together and you know he's dating back to when he was you know he he ran the show i mean you know one of the reasons why john bean became the uh the ceo i forget what his title is now i think he's president and ceo but he was the coo and then he became the ceo and president one of the reasons why he became such a prominent figure in the flames front office is because you know when they had the building flooded up the 13th row i mean he was putting in insane hours and he was one of those guys that you know there's there's really no way they should have gotten a building to open three months after it flooded to that extent. But John Bean was one of those guys who was just going, yeah, like hell we aren't, we're going to, we'll figure out a way to do it. And he figured out a way to do it and they did a pretty good job with it. And I think seeing how he handled that gave ownership a lot of confidence in him and, you know, seeing how the last uh, negotiations went, I think probably still gave ownership a lot of confidence in him. So you know, I think the fact that they have some continuity in the file is good, and I think the fact that you know you don't have uh, a lot of uh, a lot of hands in the you know you don't have a lot of cooks in the kitchen right now, so to speak. It's basically you know a handful of folks from from Calgary Sports and Entertainment, and uh, you know two or three or four folks from the CAA Icon doing all the talking. And I think you know hopefully the, that level of focus will lead to a, a favorable outcome for everybody. So as much as this is an update, it does feel like kind of a small one, um, but. Is there maybe a, a timeline as far as maybe a, a little bit more of an update? Is there some time in the future that fans, especially here in Calgary, should be looking to maybe find out a little bit more of, of this moving along? Well, they're meeting monthly now, and mm. that's an encouraging sign because, you know, you're not going to get a bunch of people, including the mayor, around a table to meet monthly on, on, yeah. on updates unless you think you're going to have enough stuff to fill a meeting to meet with them monthly. So that's a good sign. But, you know, these are the kind of things where, you know, my thought process has always been, you know, they had done so much stuff beforehand and had sort of agreed on a lot of the, the little piddly things, I think, that a lot of this could come together very quickly. And, you know, I think, you know, I mean, Brad Living always jokes about this with contract negotiations, like, oh, we got to figure out is, you know, dollars in term. But, you know, if you've agreed to sort of the shape of things, and I think, you know, the city's been pretty consistent that they want to build a new building here because the Saddleome's old as heck. And the Flames have been pretty consistent with, yeah, we'd like to help you build a new building here because the building's old as heck. If they're basically on that premise and no one needs to twist each other's arms about that, and they had a deal in place that they both pretty much liked before the economy in the world completely imploded, you know, I, I think the fact that they had so much, for lack of a better term, spiritual common ground in terms of what they wanted to do. And then it was just a matter of figuring out the shape of it. This, this again, feels like it's something that could come together pretty quickly. Um, 
you talk about that. So g- give me a ballpark here. Give me a season where, Ryan, if you could put a bet down on when the Flames are playing in a new building, what are we talking? 25-26, 26-27. If you could put a bet down on when the Flames are playing in the new barn, what, what, what year would you put down to at least give us some sort of ray of hope? And who's starting in net? Okay, yeah. All right. Uh, well, that's a good question. Let's see. I would say, if I'm being optimistic, if they can get shovels in the ground this spring or summer, like say, you know, if you're the Stampede, you probably want to have one last hullabaloo before you have to put a giant hole into the <laughs> into down into the parking lots and you know basically yeah. create a construction zone for the foreseeable future. So if you start in July, I think optimistically, what is it, 2023? I think 20. I'd say September 2026 is probably a Okay. Optimistic, semi-realistic time frame, but that also depends. You know, if they if they can nail something down by April or May and get shelves in the ground in July-ish, which is an extremely tight timeline, maybe you know, maybe twenty six, twenty seven. And if it creeps into you know, if they if they don't have something done and we get it closer into the summer, I think that would probably push it out to twenty seven, twenty eight. Uh, real quick here, does Lucic fight Truba when they're back here in a week and a half? <laughs> I'd be I'd be shocked if they didn't you know take a face off two together. Who knows if they actually do it? But I mean, no. It's uh, I I think I think we're gonna see. Oh, that game is gonna be so awesome! I think we're gonna see. I'd say the over under on fights for that game is probably three. Ooh, okay. Oh, that's gonna be super fun and exciting. Uh, Ryan Pike, Flames analyst, co-host of Flames Talk. Gonna call up Adam Klapka, maybe six foot eight check forward who fights in every game I've seen him play for the Wranglers. Yeah, or they could, they could call up uh, some guys who can score goals from them. Oh, yeah. Uh, they they could also sure, do I guess. Fine. They could also do that. Oh, okay. That's uh, logic. Uh, Ryan Pike, Flames analyst, co-host of Flames Talk here, uh, along with Pat Steinberg. Uh, Ryan, thanks for this. Uh, great piece. And uh, enjoy the Super Bowl, pal. <laughs> yeah, who's, who's playing? Are, you, uh, are, the, uh, are, the, are the Red Blacks still in that league? Or? <laughs> it's, it's the posse. You know who's playing in the Super Bowl, the though, right? the is it the, the Eagles are one of them. I forget. I yeah. honestly, I, I pay, I pay much more attention to CFL than I do the NFL. Wow. Especially you are like, you are Calgary I'm, through and through, Ryan Pike. I'm, I'm one of those guys where, especially this season, there's, there's so much going on that uh, I rely on uh, a handful of people to text me and say, Hey, Dingus, watch this game. And I go, yes, sir. So <laughs> someone, someone, Matt, you better be texting me after the, after this hit and tell me who's in the game. Yeah, I will. Uh, I got to ask though, did you see Dave Dickinson's beard from yesterday? I did, and it's magnificent. I, uh, Dave Dickinson's just an absolute beauty. Yes, I he, can confirm. Just, yeah, I'll agree. He's just, he's just good. Good at life, good at football, yep. good at a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just one of those dudes just winning at life. Racking him up. Dickinson, that's it. Uh, Ryan, thanks for this. Enjoy the game uh, tomorrow night. Cool. Thanks, guys. There he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. <laughs> Dining at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. All right, before we go, um, your chance to qualify for another $500 gift card from Charm Diamond Centers. Uh, Frank Saravalli is going to join us. Yep. Ross Tucker is going to join us. Sure, sure. Um, Brody on the Beat is going to come back on Thursday. You bet. We're going to do some bets for the Super Bowl. Yep. And we're going to do the snow show. Okay. Like, we got lots of stuff to do tomorrow. Lots of stuff. And then we're going to kind of coast into Friday. Friday's going to be like, just gear down a little bit as we head into the Super Bowl weekend. 
Yeah. We got lots of stuff. Yeah. Um, that's it for us. Uh, big Show Extra, Big Show Mucho, Big Show Bueno straight ahead. Just going to tell you as well, um, just because we got news of this. Uh, Monday, it yep. is the uh, Monday night hockey viewing party at the Seven Chiefs Sportsplex and Jim Starlight Center. Uh, it's a new thing that the Rogers Monday night hockey viewing party is kind of roaming around uh, Western Canada. Basically, what happens is uh, they're going to be showing the Flames game on the Jumbotron there. You can go down. You can take in the game. Uh, plus, there's going to be a couple of special guests, including former Flame Matt Stajan, who's also a Calgary Hitman assistant coach, and the Rogers hologram featuring uh, Sportsnet host Carolyn Cameron. That's going to be awesome. We'll have uh, some more details on it for you tomorrow, too. Awesome. Okay, uh, Patrick and Alex, straight ahead. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.